the basis of drifted is really um, like a, a female culture, a women culture, however you know, however we identify. But it's really just like this feminine culture, not necessarily gender, but more of an energy. And so I wanted to really touch on that more feminine side of Earth and nature. This is Outside by Design, your all-access pass to the world of creativity in the outdoor industry. Hello and welcome to another episode of Outside by Design. My name is Iris. I host this show alongside Lisa Slagle. And as always, this show is brought to you by Wheelie, a modern creative agency and production company for the outdoor industry. This week, Lisa interviewed Pooja Seth, founder and CEO of Drifted Co. Drifted is an awesome outdoor women's apparel brand centered around modern living and outdoor exploration. Pooja details how a dilemma she faced while traveling in Morocco caused her to create Drifted, and she also talks about the great care she took to ensure Drifted was launched as sustainably as possible. She also shares her product testing process, how to deal with the oh shit moments in business, conquering self-doubt, and getting into REI as a new brand. This episode is packed with nuggets of knowledge, so let's take a listen. first question we ask everyone is to describe where you are in the world and what you're looking at. Well, where I am right now physically, I'm in Santa Monica. <laughs> and like more specifically, I'm in my, well, it's a nursery for my son slash daughter, yet neither one uses it. So it's now my soundstage because it's the quietest <laughs> room in the house. Um, so I'm just looking, yeah, I'm sitting on the floor right now, but um, currently positioned in Santa Monica, California. Oh, is it warm? It's probably warm. It's warm. It's <sighs> warm. I have to say, though, it, the warm is great, but I love seasons and I miss cold. I miss like that really great brightness of spring, that first 56 degree day when everybody is out in shorts. Um, not that I'm from the East Coast. I'm from California, but I've lived other places and I just think there's like a camaraderie in beating the cold. So <laughs> it is warm though every day. <laughs> That's awesome. So I loved your quick synopsis of how you ended up starting Drifted. And so will you just tell that story? Well, um, it started out when I was on a trip um, to Morocco with some friends and it was like mixed company girls and guys and um, you know, we'd been doing quite a bit of traveling and just like, we all love adventure. And so one day we just had an itinerary planned where we had like about a, it was like a six or eight hour trail up in the Atlas mountains. And we we're going to go trek this guided tour or guided trek rather. And, um, and then we were going to come back down into Marrakesh, like near the Medina and then go to Richard Branson has like a, a Casbah, he calls it like, it's like a real kind of chic lounge. So we made reservations to go. Cause obviously why wouldn't you? And, um, so we were just like, okay, well, we don't have time to go to the hotel. We couldn't change in between. And so we ended up just needing to kind of wear our clothes on the hike and then change our shoes. Like we could keep them in our packs and, um, and then head over to the, um, to dinner. Um, and so we were just getting done and like the girl, the guys got ready, I don't know, like 10 minutes. Um, and it was weird cause we were all in like a hotel and, um, the girls were like, oh, what are you going to wear? And we're like, oh, well, I've got this like three people top or like, oh, I can't wear my like Patagonia pants. Cause like, I just look kind of oafy in them. And 
back and forth and back and forth. And we're like, wow, it's taken like 45 minutes for the girls to get ready. And, um, and it was split. Like half of the girls were like, well, you know, I'm just going to dress for the Cavs ball like the lounge. Cause I'd rather go there, I guess. And maybe I just won't go on the trail. And then the other half were like, no, like we want to go on the trail, but we also want to go out to dinner. So they're like, well, is there a dress code at the lounge? And there was. So all things happen. And then we ended up having to change our plans um, just because girls couldn't figure out what to wear, something that could transition and take them from the trail where there, it was, you know, rocky. It was like a lot of crag. We were going to be, you know, eight hours. It's no small feat for a hike. And so we needed something that performed in the elements. We didn't know the Atlas Mountains super well. Um, so we just needed to be prepared. And then we also needed something that kind of polished up. Like you could just take some water and a damp rag and like wipe off. Um, and then we didn't have it. So it was either, you know, a little bit more uh, restauranty or a little bit more trail, whichever way. So we ended up canceling our plans. We took a shorter hike and um, we ended up going just kind of like casual eatery afterward. And it just sucked. I just thought like, you know what? I'm not really big into like uh, kind of like taking on like a stance between men and women and like the inequalities, but I go, that really sucks. Like the guys didn't have a problem. Like, why do we have this problem? And like, you know, it just kind of feeds into this, like, Oh, women care too much about what they're going to wear. It's like, not at all. Like the solutions aren't there. Like we couldn't, we didn't want to care, but we were forced into caring because like we had these two activities. So it was one of those things where I just go, you know what, like, what a waste. We just had to change our plans because we couldn't change our outfit. And so that was when I was like, this is clearly not just a me problem. Like I've had that problem traveling a ton, but I thought maybe, maybe I'm picky. Um, and so anyway, that's when I had always like loved hiking and travel and had this idea to design. Um, and it was like the impetus was there after that event. And so Shortly after that, probably like three months, no, not two months, at a pretty um, like well-respected, very high-paying position, um, I quit. And I went on Amazon and got a design, like a sketchbook. <laughs> I don't know oh sketch necessarily. God, I don't know. And I started drawing out pieces. And I said, like, these are the things we need for like technical. This is a performance wear that we need. And then also like how to fit a woman's shape um, and how to transition. Like what are some really key details and design that make it look sophisticated versus frumpy? Um, and so that was really how Drifter got started was just a trip to Morocco and having to change plans. Wow. So how did you go from like, okay, these are my ideas in my sketchbook to, okay, now I need to have a fabric supplier and now I need yeah. to have someone who knows how to sew or yeah. Yeah. What, what happened? That, I mean, that, the, that's a really big leap going from like a sketch pad to actual yeah. production. Um, and I really did, I had a background in it. Like my previous role was, um, I was a, a merchant basically, but I ran a really big activewear store. Um, from a retail standpoint, but I wasn't in the, I didn't know factories and I didn't know sourcing materials. I knew good fabric when I felt it. I knew good garments and construction when I saw it, but like how to do it, I didn't know. And so I had actually met, cause I was living in Boston at the time and I had met um, a girl who was one of the head designers at LL Bean. 
And, um, and so she also had like a big background in active wear, but like specifically with L.L. Bean, they're all about the elements and weather protection. Um, and so I reached out to her and I said, listen, I need help. I said, I have this idea. You're the only person I know who could help me bridge this gap and actually find um, fabric and find a, a factory. Because it's hard to find a factory. Like nobody wants to do small runs. Um, local manufacturing doesn't want to. Overseas doesn't want to. So you really have to look for people um, that are going to be good fits that will not only work with you, but will hold the quality that you want. So with her connections and her real like expertise, she guided my path a lot in the early stages. And um, so we had gone, this was pre-COVID in like January 20. Well, actually we had done some sourcing of materials prior to that, but January 2020, we went to this um, trade show in, in, in New York and it was a text world and it was like all the textiles were there. Um, and so that was when I started to familiarize myself a lot more with actually how the textile industry worked. And then um, she knew of a really, really solid factory in Sri Lanka um, who was, and again, everybody, one of the things that was just a standard and a pillar non-negotiable for us was sustainability and mm -hmm. sustainable materials. Um, I didn't want to just do business with anyone. So like I knew when, when we start any new business, it's really hard to catch like someone to do something for you, but I didn't want it to just be, oh, you know, great. You'll take our, you know, we'll take your business, but then here, like we don't really uphold any standards. Um, so fast fashion, like if they did a line of fast fashion, that was absolutely a no-go for us. Um, so this factory in Sri Lanka was really, really um, powerful because they actually, every single employee was treated with just uh, very high standards, very ethical. They believed in clean emissions. They tracked it. There was a lot of traceability behind it. So that is how we started to pick our manufacturing. And the same goes with um, fabric. We work with only Blue Sign certified fabrics. Um, and Blue Sign is a third-party organization out of Switzerland. And they, again, same thing. It's like end-to-end -end transparency, making sure there's no harmful chemicals um, throughout the process. And also that um, the people are treated well and um, even the distribution is done properly. So it, this that was just something that we um, wanted to uphold. And it was having that resource and having, you know, um, my friend early on really get me started. And then now the relationships are built and we have a little bit of mobility to um, not dictate terms, but I would say like call the shots a little bit more. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And what's your um, product testing like, or what was it like in the beginning? Would you just have certain people and different bodies that you would have mm -hmm. try out your clothing or what, what, yeah, what happened? It was, it was, um, it was a little bit of both. There was field testing and lab testing. And so, um, the lab testing was again, third party, uh, third party organization that we'd, um, that we'd hire from like someone that was like local in either, um, uh, excuse me, Sri Lanka or in the U S and they would um, they would just go through. So it was like color fastness. They would test the construction. They would put in kind of like you see those crash course with the cars and the dummies. Like they put in X amount of pressure to see like 
will the grommet pop off if you put on like 20 pounds of pressure, 100 pounds of pressure? So how much can it withstand? Like what's the seam construction like? Um, and so we did all that. Um, but at the same time, uh, we did field testing. So it was um, a lot of people, some women who I didn't even know, um, who maybe I found on Instagram that I just thought, you know what, they kind of live a badass life and they go on adventures. So I said, Hey, can you test these for us and see like, do they hold up to your construction needs? Um, and then also we have a group of friends that are all into the outdoors travel. And we had probably like 20 wear testers, different body shapes, um, different ethnicities, different, um, you know, different like uses, uh, just for us to get it. And then Every time I did a load of laundry, I would throw a piece of like the garment in the sample in just to see how well it washed. So I probably washed it like 50 times before we said, yeah, that's like the right fabric and the right construction, because I've just had a lot of garments in my past that you pay money for and then they fall apart after 10 washes or even even less. But um, that was yeah, that was something that was important to me, too. So that's how we started testing. Oh, I love that. And I love, love, love your fabric. Um, I have the wide leg adjustable flow pant and I <laughs> ride my bike in those things. Like I cruise around town in those. Like, I love I, it. Oh, I love those pants. The fabric's so nice. Yeah. It's, durab it's durable. That's what we, you know, we wanted something that was durable, but soft on the skin. And, um, and for some reason it was either one or the other. Um, that was out in the market. And so that's where, you know, like <clears throat> the wide leg adjustable has a little bungee cinch at the bottom. Um, and that was when you travel, we thought, oh, that's like a great one to go travel like on the airplane with. And it's just super like airy, breathable, soft. And we go, but when you go to the bathroom, like the wide leg is just going to drop to the floor like Ugh. And uh -huh. so we put the adjustable bungee on there because we're like, oh, that way she can decide if she needs to bungee it so it just never touches the floor. Or like when you're riding a bike, same thing, like it doesn't get caught in the gear. So like those types of things is what we started thinking about. I'm like, oh, well, how can you make that look cute? Like adjustability is really important, but how do you make that look cute? So um, that's, yeah, that's kind of how we think about each garment. Something I really care about is learning and the constant pursuit of knowledge. So for that reason, if you go to the show notes of this episode, we are hooking you up with up to 70% off site-wide at Creative Live. Creative Live is an awesome website where you can level up your knowledge with over 2,000 classes taught by the world's top creators. Courses cover topics like graphic design, branding, photography, productivity, and how to articulate your own personal brand. It's awesome. I've followed Chase Jarvis for years, have always looked up to him, and have taken tons of courses on Creative Live. And I have to say, I learned pretty much the same amount as I did in art school. So check out the show notes, click on the link, and get up to 70% site-wide. Yeah, that attention to detail is so obvious. And um even in the photography, you have really interesting product photography on your website, and it just feels like there's a lot of thought in every aspect of the business. Yeah, well, thanks for note. That was something I also wanted to pay attention to was, you know, I always felt like um, the 
the the basis of drifted is really um, like a, a female culture, a woman culture, however you know, however we identify. But it's really just like this feminine culture, um, not necessarily gender, but more of an energy. And so I wanted to really touch on that more feminine side of Earth and nature. And I thought like, you know, there are some cool companies out there, Patagonia, North Face, um, Arteryx. They all kind of focus on that rugged masculine culture, which is like dirt and, um, you know, it's a lot of adrenaline. And whereas I start to look at Drift and we use terracotta as our signature color. And that was something I wanted to go. That's just a really feminine color. And you see it all over. It's everywhere in nature, but no one's really like highlighting it. So it was, um, yeah, just to to emulate a little bit more the feminine side of and that beauty side of nature along with obviously the, you know, excitement and awe of, of getting out there. But um, that was, yeah, something that we paid attention to in our photography and just all the creative that we do. Yeah, it's so good. It's so well done. And okay, so one another thing I wanted to ask you about, because again, it's in this survey you filled out was your top three values and how they show up in your work. And you said, have vision, mental agility, and do it for a great reason, not money. Oh, yeah. Um, So I'm not a goal setter. My brother has been like a goal setter his whole life. And and maybe I have like habit form reaction to not be a goal setter from that. Um, He's an older brother. So that's probably what it is. But um, I just am not like, I don't, I'm not like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And I muscle through it. I find it to be exhausting to muscle through things. And a lot of times, like when there's so much effort involved, I almost question, like, is it really the right thing? Like, should I be forcing myself into this or forcing whatever? Um, there should be some kind of natural flow to it. So I really believe in vision. And I think it's beneficial, like so many different parts of our life. But um, with Drifted, before I even, like I said, before I even brought the sketch pad to like to my pen to the sketch pad. I closed my eyes and I just pictured like, what would it look like? What would it feel like if there were a brand, apparel brand or gear brand or whatever it is? What are we doing outside of just clothes? What else are we doing? And so I started to picture for Drifted, I started to picture the community. I started to picture women coming together. It's like me and you having a conversation. Um, I pictured a store. This is obviously pre-COVID, but this might happen in the future, but I like pictured a store where, you know, there was many women coming together just on an event. So I said, okay, you know what? I start to see this new outdoor culture where it's led by really amazing women trailblazers that so many of us are maybe hesitant to go out by ourselves. We're kind of used to our guys, like our boyfriends, dads, or whomever taking us out. There's a whole shift in culture that's really not being talked about. So Vision to me is a way that I first set out the direction. And then from there, I kind of backtrack and start setting the goals to that vision. So that way there feels like a little bit of a natural flow um, and a a purpose to it. It's not just about, um, you know, getting things done. It's like getting things done to fulfill a greater purpose or a greater vision. Um, And like for this one, it would be like a little bit of a cultural shift. Um, for the outdoor industry. And then um, what was the second one? The mental agility. Mental agility. Oh, okay. And I loved yeah. your answer to this. 
<laughs> oh my god, right now I have to think about what I even wrote. Um, this one, I feel like there's a lot of um, what I said, like, oh shit moments in business. And business is a series of oh shit moments. Um, if anybody is starting a business or has started a business and you feel like, why am I putting out so many fires all the time? Like, why is it just one mistake after another mistake? Well, that's business. I think that is what it is. Um, there's some really good things too, but it's all a series of really not great things. And one thing that is so has been for me so important is having that mental agility. And what I mean by that is being able to bounce back, being able to um, redirect the talk in our head to something positive or to something um, more expansive and not so contractive. And I, you know, I'm faced with self-doubt on a daily basis. And I think even when I was super, super, like, just nothing was in my way. I was at my previous work, you know, we finally hit the tipping point of business. And it was like, it went from all this hard work to like, oh, it's all flowing in now. Like, it's all coming. I still had just a tremendous amount of self-doubt. Like, why me? What is this? Like, what did I do? And so with the mental agility, it's really like, not to take things personally, the good and the bad, um, and to really be able to redirect that conversation you have with yourself. And you get a bad customer review, or someone just doesn't, you know, agree with what you said or what you posted. While you take the learnings from it, you just have to say, okay, this is, we just keep moving forward. And I think having that practice is so important. Um, Again, all aspects of life, but I just think it's really amplified in business for some of us. Um, those kind of like ugh, moments um, can wear on a person. And so having the ability to really hone in on um, just like taming your emotions and, and redirecting that attention is, um, is really important and it's good for resilience. Yeah, it's, it's hard. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, when we go through it, and I, I'm not separating myself from that, we feel like oh, it's just me. Like, I'm the only loser who's this, like, quote, unquote, entrepreneur who can't figure it out. Like, everybody else is figuring it out. And they've already done it. And, like, look what they're doing. And I've talked to personally, like, I have come up, because I've had a couple of businesses in the past, and I've come up with a couple people who are now billionaires with a B <laughs> and and I go they have the same self-doubt that we I have they're the same I have to remember back then when they were just starting how they were talking and what it was and like some a lot of the people who are successful that I've met um with business have that mental agility is what like they have a practice that they um, that they really stick to every single day because they know that the importance of keeping a clear mindset. Easier said than done. And yes. and then your and then your third thing, which I think ties in directly, was to not do something for money, but do it for a great reason. Do it for a great reason because you know what? My, like, I, there's so many better ways to make money than starting your own business. Like, it is easier. Like, I, I still don't cut myself a paycheck. Like. I've been making minimum wage for a very, very long time. But, you know, um, when you are doing something, and even if it is for somebody else, 
there has to be a bigger vision because I think as human beings, we strive to find purpose in life. And um, I can't speak for everybody, but I think it is a lot easier way to live and a lot more meaningful way to live when you have a purpose in life. And so when the purpose is greater than just something financial, um, it's easier to make the bad moments feel better because you go, wait a minute, it's not just for money. It's not just for me personally. It's for all of these other people, or it is for this greater reason. And so for me, with Drifted, it really has been about uniting a culture of women to come together and really shake things up in the outdoors. Um, the way I have seen the outdoor culture is, again, I don't mean I don't mean this in a way that is to like uh, isolate or or say anything bad about what it has been. It's just it's it's an evolution. Um, it needed to be there in order for us to be here. And I think, you know, we are now seeing that the outdoors is for everyone. Tons of people, whether it's different um, backgrounds, ethnicities, um, genders, different um, economic backgrounds, we're all coming together in the outdoors. And it has really been only represented by one vertical of people. And so now I think it's just really important that. Um, you know, with Drifted, that's what I said, like, I saw the diversity, I saw the diversity needing to be represented. And, um, you know, I know, I have so many different kinds of friends, and I see us, we all get together, and nature is the greatest equalizer of all. When you're on a mountain, you're two humans on a mountain, and that's it. Like, there is nothing else that separates you. And um, even language, you have body language at that point, And it's really amazing. And so that's why when I get down, and I trust me, boy, do I ever I'm like, okay, I'm quitting. <laughs> this is it. I, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Um, this like one person will tag us in a picture. And I'll be like, dang, like they chose to take drifted's clothes on their trip. And like, that is a really, that is a conscious decision, because those suitcases don't hold that much. So, you know, um, those types of things continue the motivation because it is, it's a lot easier to make money um, in different ways. But if you love something, you got to do it for something bigger. Are you ready to start creating? At Wheelie, one thing we can't live without is our software. We live and breathe by the creative cloud. That's right. I'm talking about Adobe Stock, Acrobat, as well as Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, Premiere, all of those cool programs that allow us to build what we have in our minds. If you go to the show notes and click on the link to Adobe, you can save up to 60%. So start creating with an Adobe subscription. Hmm. How does, um, like how does motherhood play into your entrepreneurial journey? It's an interesting, interesting thing. I think if you had asked me a year ago, I would have said, oh, well, I am so excited about being a mom and being an entrepreneur and it's going to be my, you know, my kids will eventually take this over one day. And, and here I am now with two kids and they're both, one's almost three and the other one's five months. And it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Um you know, my mom helps me, but then I go, gosh, you're really like, she's loving, but I'm like, she's not super helpful. Like sometimes I just need someone like really fast moving. Um, but, you know, I think that 
it's another thing where you do have to find this balance. And I, one thing that I um, have wanted to do is, like I said, I wanted to make Drifted, a, it was initially supposed to be bringing community together, bringing friends and family together. And so what I've done with it is I really try to include my family in it. So whether I'm traveling for work, um, I'll bring the kids with me and I'll bring my mother-in-law with me and we kind of do it like a, a, you know, a tour de force um, with trade shows or with sales appointments or whatever it is um, as a way just to keep together because I, I feel like I don't want to sacrifice time away from family at the same time, I don't want to be, you know, feeling like, oh, why did I just forget this dream that I had because of family and then have that resentment toward them. So I try to bring it all in together. And um, it is a balance. You'll always hear that from everybody. And it's, you know, they ask the moms that question more than they ask the dads, which is, it is what it is, right? So, um, but it is absolutely wonderful having the family and it's even more wonderful when you know I have um my mom can help like while she's watching the kids like help me pick out a pantone for you know the spring season and um you know I ask my three-year-old who he sometimes his input is valuable but I ask him like which one do you like better and he'll pick one out and you know and as they get older I think like that's only going to get better and so that's what I, I look forward to with you know balancing the two just getting everybody involved I think that's so cool. Like, <laughs> I run a business with employees and I truly cannot imagine having children too. So I just, I, <laughs> you're a superhuman. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Um, and so earlier you mentioned when we were not recording that Drifted is going to be an REI, which is incredibly mm-hmm. exciting. Um, mm-hmm. How has that process been? You know, it was, it was great. And it was on like my five year plan for Drifted and it happened in seven months, eight months. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, wow. And this was part of the vision part because I was feeling really stuck. I just want to go back to that. I was feeling really stuck one day eh, for a while. And then one day decided to talk about it. Um, And I chatted with it with like a friend of mine who's like all into kind of, you know, alternative healings and stuff, which is like, so up my alley. And so she was like, well, if you could get really clear and we kind of just like did some breathing and clearing and she's like, what would you want to see? And I was like, well, we need to be an REI. Like this is a brand for REI and REI is going to be our partner to help us get exposure on it. And really they have created an amazing culture for the outdoors. I was like, and this is a, you know, opportunity for us to evolve it. And yeah, within three weeks of that, um, it came and, um, and this was prior to like, this was, we had, I had had a friend who was a sales rep show the line to like 15 to 20 different stores, not necessarily outdoorsy stores, but like different types of retailers. And they all said like, "Mm, no, no, we're okay. We don't get it. And then REI came and I was like, Oh, and then now all of a sudden, like, people are starting to get it. So I just go back to like, there's vision, there's, you kind of, you get clear as to like where you need to be. Um, But anyway, so they came, yeah, they came fast. And um, the buyers we've been working with the team is just like 
extraordinary. It's, it's so cool. And, um, you know, we have some, some ties or like some mutual friends that we we've kind of known. So it's just kind of fun to like, again, connect with humans and, um, and just kind of experience their world from their perspective. But yeah, they've been fantastic so far to, um, to work with. So we'll be getting to be in stores, um, starting August, um, this year. That's amazing. Seven months into business. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, well, I mean, I can personally speak to the quality. That's, <laughs> I think it's going to do really well in REI. Well, great. I, let's hope we go shopping, everybody. Go to REI. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then was that like, was the package design as grueling as um, for sustainability standards for, for REI as um, a lot of people experience? So it's, it, yeah, and it, for us, no, it wasn't. But I say that because it was grueling before REI. Mm-hmm. Um, we happened to adopt what REI's current standards are into our own um, business ethos for Drifted. And this was like early on. So um, the reason why it was easy for REI was because we did the legwork just 12 months, 15 months prior to that. Um, but it was, it was a tough process packaging. I mean, this is the part of business where it's just like every little thing from creating a barcode to figuring out like, where do you buy poly bags? What is a poly bag? Why do we need it? All those things, it takes time and research. Um, and especially if you want to be sustainable, because what I have seen, and I have read a lot of, um, import tariff codes, which just is like so disheartening. I don't know if you've ever read through them. Um, But it is just political science and global economics favoring the non-sustainable choice every time. And you go, gosh, you get a tax break if you have this amount of plastic in your clothes or this amount of plastic in your product versus like using this more sustainable material like where you're paying extra so it was hard the packaging was really hard and I really wanted to be a plastic free brand um especially with packaging where I feel like it's just so such low-hanging fruit get rid of it we don't need it um so I ended up talking to I sat in on about eight to ten sustainability panels and it was they're all third-party run um a lot of international um, organizations would host them. And so Switzerland's a pretty major player in sustainability and like certifying sustainable choices or options rather. So I started, you know, talking to the panelists, um, asking them, what would you choose? Like, what should I be looking for, um, with packaging? Um, I don't want plastic. What's another option. And then, um, you know, down the rabbit hole we went, I got turned on to an organization called SEMA, and they're similar to the Surfriders Foundation, mm. and they advise on packaging. And it's basically like how to keep packaging out of our oceans, what's the best alternative for it. And so they, um, they consider things because after all, in business, you don't have any influence over a culture, over uh, an industry if you don't make money. So you have to make money. You can't just pour your money and then wait till you no longer have cash. So you have to make good business choices for yourself, but um, you also want to be sustainable. So SEMA was the one that really helped just let me understand where to get the products and like what kinds of things. So we use um, 
we use corn-based um, compostable bags. It's 100% um, corn material. Um, and so with REI, they have even um, getting rid of compostable bags because what I found out, and again, this was after having done a lot of research um, on bagging. And the reason why bagging is important is because um, when you're in a warehouse, the dust settles and sometimes the dust can discolor the product or it makes it look old. Um, and then you end up throwing the product away. So what's worse, having the bag or having a product discarded? So you kind of have this balance, but REI doesn't even do the bags. And so what I found out with them was um, not every county or city or state um, composts. Whereas like in LA, we just throw it in the compost and it's good. You know, it degrades in about um, six to eight months and, and that's the end of that. Um, but there are places like in Florida, they don't do compost. Um, and so they have completely eliminated any bag um, unless it's, I think, a white product. Um, but uh, they have like a tie, a tie method where they just use a piece of rope. Um, they fold up their clothes. And so we will, yeah, completely get rid of bags too. And I um, talk to our warehouse facility to redo our storage as well. So that way we can protect the clothing and get rid of bags as well. Um, so again, it's just a, a learning and evolving process as we go. Um, but that's, yeah, something that uh, they are very strict on and they, they ask about those questions at REI. So we, um, you know, we were fortunate in that sense of it was not hard for us to, to meet their needs, but that was because that was just so, so on the forefront for when we started, um, you know, started business. Wow. It's also complicated. <laughs> it, it, when, when you approach it one at a time, it's not. It's just because yeah. when you get excited about it, you go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And so then in hindsight, you're like, oh, that was complicated. But in the process, it's more about just it's kind of exciting. Like, oh, OK, that's cool. You do get the first step is the scariest. And then like step seven is actually kind of fun. <laughs> and then once you figure it out, you're like, yeah, okay, good. Um, and then you just, yeah, keep changing it. Uh, I love that. Where can people follow you online and also buy a pair of pants? <laughs> they can follow us on Instagram at Drifted Co. And they can definitely buy a couple pairs of pants at mm -hmm. uh, drifted.co. Um, and we, we're all online and then soon, like I said, at RAI. So wherever you want to shop. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. And thank this has you, been a, yeah. it's been a great episode and I love your attitude. And um, yeah, I just, I think you're going to do so well. Oh gosh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in to Outside by Design. This show is produced by Wheelie. You can find us at our website, wheeliecreative.com. You can also visit wheeliecreative.com slash podcast to find more episodes, transcripts, show notes, and our affiliate partners. We are on Instagram at wheeliecreative. Please subscribe, leave a five-star review on your podcast app, and share this podcast with a friend who you think might enjoy listening. With that, I'm Iris. Thanks for being here.